the Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hoth. And each week on The Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Matt Zinman. Matt is a personal success trainer who's experienced as an entrepreneur, athlete, single parent, caretaker, consultant, and non-profit founder drive him to be a different difference maker and positively impact as many people as possible. He is also the CEO of the Internship Institute, which he established in 2007 to bridge the gap between education, active duty, and employment by making experience matters. He's also the author of Zen Zed-isms. So welcome on to the show, Matt. Thank you. It's great to be with you, James. It's my pleasure. Uh, so, 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 so ah, I can't speak today. So to put into context for my audience, what's a little nugget you'd like to add in addition to that introduction that I've just given you there? Well, uh, a couple of things. One is, uh, here in the U.S., uh, for you know, my, what's been my day job the past 15 years as a, a founder of the nonprofit, the Internship Institute, that equates to apprenticeships in the same way. You know, just by another name, all things work-based learning. So I'm very passionate about that. Uh, some of my experience, uh, you know, from these past years, one way, shape, or form, personal and professional, um, has found its way into the book. Um, We'll pronounce it Z-isms here in America just because I'm biased and then recognize that everywhere else, it's got to be Zed, but spelled the same way. However you spell it, still the same. Mm-hmm. So uh, really psyched to be here and, and, uh, and chat with you and your audience. And, and we discussed a little bit when we were off air of your, your exploits uh, of playing ice hockey for the, would you call it the junior development team for the U.S.? Correct. And obviously, from your you, from where you're located in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, do you think that culture, sportingly, has been a, a hindrance or a positive for your sporting success? Oh, it's it's definitely been a common thread for me as uh, as a major positive and an outlet through my whole life. I've, I've been playing since I'm six years old, and uh, uh, I'm still playing now in, into my fifties. So it's been a great source of joy. Uh, certainly life as a hockey player now is much different than it was back then. Uh, and, and one of the things that I, I actually referred to in terms of uh, a life-affecting moment when I was a kid, uh, really the first time I had gone out and, and played uh, as a clinic, there were older players on the ice, and one of them took a slap shot, and it found its way into my face. Uh, broke my jaw three places, and uh, you know, my poor mom <laughs> at the time. and it was a big decision, right? Jaw wired shut. I think a lot of people might've turned away and I really just wanted to keep playing. And, uh, you know, that just for me, uh, you know, it's an innate quality around tenacity and, and, uh, and seeing it through. And I'm so glad I did because it's brought me so much joy. Does that grit in itself come from nature or nurture? 
in your perspective. It's funny. I thought about that recently, but at that age, I, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go more with nature. <laughs> so I guess I was born with grit, but, uh, and a love of, a love of the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, I grew up just watching my professional team here, the Philadelphia Flyers and, uh, still, you know, that's my, that's my, my sport and my favorite team. And, uh, and, and they had won the Stanley Cup probably those, those very years. So it was just, it was a big deal. So I, I'd say that would be the nurture part. I'll credit the Philadelphia Flyers for my wanting to play hockey still at that age. But why, but why ice hockey over the other, the, oh, the professional sports within the Philadelphia area though? Because obviously with um, basketball being a mainstay from a collegiate perspective sure. in the city. Well, I'm not the tallest guy. I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the fastest guy on my feet with baseball. So that's all that's left, really. Soccer, you know, football is, is out. <laughs> so by default, no. It was just my love of it. I, I, I grew up on it, and uh, it just gets in your blood, right? If you're somebody who's that much into a sport, it, it, it just becomes a part of you in that way. So it's, it's been a total, except for that puck incident, for the most part. So what encapsulate, what encapsulated you to want to take up ice hockey then? What 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 was it the allure of of the, of the game that kind of I want to consume this every waking moment as a child? Well, it, it was close to the waking moments, not entirely, but I I just I had the early love of the game, and I I guess there's a, an aggressiveness you know, that grit and aggressiveness, a bit of a fiery personality. And it's just always been a great outlet for me, you know, being competitive and, uh, and, and just, it's the greatest game in the world. I'm biased, but you know, the speed of it and the skill of it and, and just the camaraderie and, and nature of it. I, I just love it. I'm going to play into my nineties or beyond. We'll see. Well, that's where phys- physicality, fitness, and overall looking after your well-being it's it's it's, it's possible because what was i watching uh i think it was um it was a rerun of uh oh, what's the name of the program traveling by traveling the world by train and it's one is one of our ex-politicians who does the show and he was he was going from what did he do from la up to Vancouver and did obviously with, with the I think while he was in Canada he did the ice hockey as a goal as a goal and looking at why is it a mainstay for the Canadians right this is anywhere in the well probably bar northern Europe why is it a mainstay for them and there's people playing beer league like you say 70 80 90 years old but obviously if that's something you've done since age five yeah thereabouts yeah I just, like you said, it's in your blood and it's, uh, it's, it's what helps you, you know, through life, uh, you know, captaining high school or college and just, you know, getting your street cred as they say, and, and making friends and, uh, you know, there's just that thread that, that continues, uh, even to this day for me. So we talked about off air, Matt, of obviously your struggles as a teenager with dealing with mental health. What kind of shifted or changed or an element of trauma trauma occurred for you to go from being optimistic towards sport 
to then facing a darker period in your life? Sure. Well, you know, for one, uh, I, I started to experience depression at a, at a young age and, uh, you know, I didn't exactly inherit the best gene pool. Okay. That, that was definitely nature because it, it's, it's been in my family. And so there's a, you know, it's chemistry, uh, you know, the same as, uh, you know, someone gets to the point of uh, having to treat high blood pressure or thyroid. Uh, it's, it's, it's serotonin and uh, endorphins and, and, and all that. But I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And it's certainly been a big part of how I manage my life. Uh, it's, it's definitely uh, important to me that I, I just disclosed that. I, I hadn't made that public until I had just written the book and included the uh, chapter on uh, managing um, you know, depression and, and then some in terms of having like a mood scale, like a thermometer. So I think a lot of people can relate to this, uh, particularly now, whether they've uh, encountered depression from a, a clinical or chemical standpoint or just things that they've encountered in their life. And now so many people are, you know, displaced and trying to adapt and trying to, you know, find their way and they're not able to go out and move around as much as, uh, as we're used to. That's difficult for anybody. And so, you know, the lessons I've learned in terms of taking care of myself, um, I'm really happy to talk about for, for those that can relate to it. And I, uh, you know, for one, uh, go by this two to three day rule where, you know, I know if the weather's bad or anything, you know, we all typically feel that and, and that's a day here, a day there. But if I get to two days and then a third day and I feel myself sinking, you know, almost like you're, you're in quicksand. And, and it's that much harder to, to move. And then eventually you could sink to the point where you can't, uh, not to let that happen. You know, I have to be preemptive. So, uh, I absolutely don't give myself a choice. You know, uh, the main thing is to exercise. So if I have the opportunity, I'll play ice hockey. If not, I'm, I'm doing all the things that you, you know, would imagine both cardio and physically, uh, to get the natural endorphins. And, and the other thing is creating structure, right? Cause if you're just, have, if you're aimless, when you wake up you know, at the beginning of the day, then you'll, you'll stay that way. So giving yourself you know, some things that you know you want to achieve, some things that you can look forward to, looking to the situation that we're in now in, in, in ways that it's an opportunity, especially socially, where I'm reaching back to you know, some of my college buddies now that I haven't talked to in, uh, in decades at this point. And, uh, you know, getting on group calls and, you know, having fun doing that and, you know, the, having the experiences that, you know, maybe we wouldn't have otherwise or wouldn't have otherwise if we weren't in the situation that we're in. So all those things are, are, are essential uh, if you are truly experiencing a clinical event. I mean, you know, a medication intervention is essential uh, and, and to get checked out. There's no shame in that. Uh, and, and, and I just... Uh, I'd say to anyone who's really, really feeling low and, and experiencing that distortion of, of, of what life is and, and how you could perceive it in a, in a completely different, even optimistic way and not even realize it because you're feeling so down, uh, just to you know, hold on to the, the, the fact that things won't always feel as bad as they do uh, you know, in any particular moment. It's a, knowing that, that, that that's ahead of you and uh, uh, you'll feel better at some point is, is a good uh, life raft to a uh, life preserver uh, to hang on to. And when you describe the, the mood scale, um, Matt, in terms of how, how would you visually d- 
describe that obviously it's difficult from for people listening is it is it come down to sort of a balancing that and acting in sure. a way in terms because nobody in their right mind can be happy 100 percent of the time it's, of it'd, be, it'd be impossible uh and then obviously from uh the medication aspect you're talking about be it antidepressants uh, and the like you don't re obviously if it gets so bad that you you can't cope and and, and that's what they prescribe you, you need to probably do something because if you get very very bad in terms of suicidal right. that's maybe something that's going to possibly and obviously it's talking to health professionals when it comes to that in mind you need to do it but i think in terms of coming back to this balancing act when it comes to your mood it's being content and being okay with the other side of the coin you know we, we're quite content and joyous when we're happy and everything's rosy and upbeat but obviously this situation we now find ourselves in people right. are either by themselves or or they're having to initially stare at four walls and it's like well i don't like this it's, this feels uncomfortable this is out of my control and it can quickly spiral but i think if you looked at well it's not bad being able to be at one with your emotions and your feelings right well look overall i i think I, the topic uh has uh it's it's stigmas and discomfort and and that remains and i just look at it very matter of fact and, and take it head on in that way and and the the visual that's in the in in that uh you know managing uh the the mood scale is really uh, much like a thermometer so if you can imagine the uh the center section just being a perfect balance and then a, a range of happy and a range of sad that you would consider to be normal whatever is subjectively anyone would define as normal uh you know on the lower end you're looking at mild moderate and severe depression and when you're down all the way you're you know if you're at the point of saying i can't and you really can't get help you're you're too you're too deep you you literally are not able to pull out you need help if you on the on the upper side of the scale you might be talking about someone who's bipolar you're looking at someone who's experiencing uh, an initial hypomania into into a, a manic state, and then all the way into um, a psychotic state, where you're you know you you definitely don't want to go much beyond the the first level there uh, because it, it's very dangerous. So uh, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert. But I can speak to it from personal experience, and so I do reference uh, you know the experts of the Mayo Clinic and how they define these things and, and putting down the symptoms. And it's really an educational chapter, uh, straight up. And I do think that people will need to not be in the closet about it, uh, as, as it were, or, or dance around it as, as, uh, as some kind of huge taboo. I mean, it's, it's very prevalent throughout society. And I don't think there's really hardly any family, certainly, let alone individuals who at some point in their lives have to, have had to contend with a mental health event. Do you think it comes back to the state that we, when we were 
in what is quote unquote normality because we were a state of kind of running around at 100 miles an hour be it i need to get this done i need to get that done do you think now that everything is kind of slowed down and everybody's having to use patience and a sense of hearing people out and especially themselves then not they're finding that uncomfortable because it's like well i don't normally have to deal with this i can put a band-aid over it normally and go about my day but now because i'm depending on what country you are and the i won't call it the severity or the measures that have been put in place is a different uh, complexity so depending on what they can and cannot do would the, the the mood state would be then affected slightly more Sure. Well, it, it's certainly case by case, James. No, no doubt there. But, but also looking at the situation that we're in and some of the things that we uh, had just discussed about taking the, the, the challenges that, that we face and turning them into uh, opportunities. And whether that's you know, bettering ourselves and you know, you know, my focus there on, on, on personal development, and, and that's very uh, rewarding. But if you if you take it out of the clinical side of there's actually a physical, you know, chemistry problem with somebody and it's just uh, a matter of melancholy versus doing the things that you can do uh, proactively to feel better. That's a, that's a personal decision. That's, that's a personal choice around taking care of yourself the same as you would go to the gym or not, or eat well or not. Uh, And, you know, we're all responsible for, for ourselves in that way. Um, And there's a, you know, there's an, there's a question of if you think about whether it has to do with, with this very specific topic or anything uh, in, in terms of the foresight about whatever period we're in right now, however long this is going to last, if you fast forward to the future and you look back, how would you want to remember this period? Would you want to consider it something that you took advantage of while life slowed down and did some things to enrich your life, um, connect with people you wouldn't connect with otherwise, take up a new hobby, uh, work on your personal development. You, know, you didn't have time to get to the gym before and you're not necessarily going external to the gym, but plenty of home workouts and things uh, to, to work on yourself. So this could be uh, a great pivot moment in a, in a very positive way. And that's a personal decision. So uh, there is a, um, another aspect, you know, in terms of general and physical health about being a life athlete and talking about that. And there's a, a tool there. Uh, you know, I mentioned the mood skills, there's tools throughout the book, but this is a, a self-care report card. And basically it's just about working out as a, as, as, as a main uh, thing that you need to do, right? Take care of yourself. We all know that and getting the right amount of sleep. And, you know, there's nothing necessarily very new here about the best practices of self-care, uh, but it, 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 it's somewhat of a, a self-accountability tool, right? That's really quick and easy to make sure that on a week-by-week basis, you're, you know, just keep moving, right? That's, that's really one of the main things. So that's probably the best answer I can give you on that question. Do you, do you think it comes down to a, a, both a recognition of true perception and a dose of prevention when it comes to dealing in what would, would this never have seen event. Sure. So I, I really look at this as, 
you know, even as much as things slow down, you know, within ourselves, there's always these moving parts. And we just did this, uh, you know, good, di- you know, in-depth dive. And I'm so glad that we did into mood health and, and taking care of ourselves in that way. And of course, it's very easy to look at that as one of our filters of perception, right? You know, you can glass half empty and full and all of those things. That's very straightforward. Then there's an aspect of um, really what's at the foundation of some of what I, I talk about, which is called earned confidence. And we can, we can come back to that in a, in a moment. And then there's perception itself. And you know, there's so many aspects to it in terms of how we uh, take in all this information and that constant flow. And are we in the moment and, and experiencing life in the present or are we worrying or feeling regret or we're talking to someone and we're not a good listener and yet whatever comes out of any, uh, uh, anything that we look at as the truth is actually our interpretation. So uh, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an in, in-depth dive about perception, but it's really about trying to find objectivity. And uh, you know, one of the things, and if, I, if I, I can talk about another, there's a tool in that <laughs> chapter as well, which is easy enough to describe. And it's called a perception snapshot. And it addresses the fact that we do have all these moving parts and it is hard to kind of make the, you know, sense of things. Uh, and and how, do you, how do you just kind of stop that, that, that wheel from turning? And so taking a snapshot is basically compartmentalizing in a, in a left column, right? Top of it. Are my basic needs met? Number one. Um, health family, relationship, romance, job security, work-life balance, right? Whatever that is for anybody, that's, break it out, left column. And then you've got positive and negative. And you can just go right down the list and say, in this moment, as I look at each of these individual aspects of my life, which side of the ledger would I, would I mark in just this very moment? And so, of course, at the very least, uh, on, the, on the positive column, you're looking at, at, at experiencing gratitude. You start, right, are my basic needs met? You know, what matters much more than that and, and your health, right? Those two things, right? Start there and really experience the, the things that you can feel grateful for as you go through them. And nobody at any given time for very long is going to be without something in that right negative column to whatever degree that is. I mean, uh, I just heard this morning, you know, I'm two degrees of separation about someone who, who's 31 years old and, and, and passed from COVID. You know, I think we're starting to, you know, this is continuing. And, um, you know, going through grief and, and supporting people who are going through grief is, is something also that we need to take uh, head on in this way. And, and yet, when we look at earned confidence, for example, in relation to this, what we're talking about is the fact that we've all been through everything that we have in our lives, right? And we're still standing. We're, we're here. However young or otherwise you are, we've all had our trials and, and, and challenges, and yet we always make it through. And so no matter what challenge we're facing now, no matter what it is that we will face in the future, we have the earned confidence to know that we will get through those, those things, however that may occur, Uh, There's no other way but through any number of these things, but we will make it through. And so that reminds you not to worry, not to be anxious unnecessarily, not to have that negativity uh, and 
and put yourself through that and, and, and it just stay present and, and deal with the real. And so when we go back to the perception snapshot and we look at that negative column, we have to ask ourselves, how bad is this? You know, is, is this temporary? Uh, you know, we're all, a lot of people are hurting financially. Are you still going to have a roof over your head? That's that back to your basic needs. So it's really about putting things into context and being objective and looking at them uh, in that way so that you can just draw that line of, okay, uh, what, what is that, that path in terms of it being something that's, there's no other way, but through. And of course it's very difficult to pull emotion out of it, but that's part of the exercise is to try and be objective and, and coach yourself about how you would handle that. So that's a tool that's very simple, very easy to do at any time. Uh, it's just a check-in for anyone to do with themselves. But uh, I, I'm really uh, very rooted and grounded around the whole aspect of earned confidence. And that really is the common thread throughout. And obviously, there, Matt, you, you talked about grief in terms of what, what people would know related to life and death. But this is something that was brought to the fore to me when I was listening to uh, Lewis Howe's uh, successful, what is it? Successful Greatness podcast. And he talked about everybody in this moment is sensing some sort of grief towards their identity because if they've lost their job, um, obviously they don't have access to their friends and family. Uh, some may be by themselves. So everybody is in a sense of grief. But what you t- mentioned there in terms of we, somebody or someone has lost a loved one previously to this sure. and will do in the future. So in terms of the um, doing the reps, we have been here before, be it I've lost, be it pets, grandparents. I've been here before. Right. So, so, so to be not at ease, okay, it's be, I think where the anxiety factor probably comes into to the fore is because you're being told or recommended to do something. You kind of go back probably to be infantile a little bit. Well, I'm being told to some, do something that I don't want to do, so I'm going to go and go against it. So, so when you're told, well, you can't go out, that's exactly what you want to do. It's like, I want to do the complete opposite right. Uh, right. and uh, kind of go against the grain. So I think that's from a mental perspective. I think if people think a little bit logically and, and thought very deeply rationally, why you're having a hard time is because you haven't come to accept that that subconsciously is going to be a factor for, for probably everybody to a certain extent depend depend on the level some are going to be more difficult than others i think for me it was something that was difficult i didn't want to contemplate uh not having access to sport but on the other hand with that i don't identify myself from an identity perspective as my sport i have I have a barrier it's like yes i do this sport but it isn't me it doesn't make me uh, the individual who I am, okay, f- from a p- perceptual perspective, maybe externally people might say, James, you're an athlete. James, you're positive. James, you have a- overcome adversity. That's identity of self. That's, that's not me pat- uh, shining the light on, on those factors. That's kind of like a mirror effect. That's somebody else's opinion then being kind of superseded onto me 
and depending on what state of mind you're in, be it if, generally if you're in a heightened state uh, and quite comfortable in, in your in your state of play, you'd kind of dismiss that as like, well, okay, that's somebody else's perception. Do I agree with it? Yes or no. But then maybe when you're a little bit down, some of those things you you maybe start to question: Am I am I lacking in confidence? Am I uh, feeling uncomfortable in this situation? And you can't obviously start to have that kind of chimp paradox as to you've got that person at the back of your mind saying, "Well, you're not good. You're not good enough. Good enough at this. You're not worthy of that." And you right. kind of spiral out of control. So in terms of probably making some clarity out of what I've said, obviously from the perspective from the outside, it does come down to that perception at the at the end of the day. From from that perspective, is is do you, from a perspective of motivation or willingness to get through this? Are you being goal orientated? Are you being value orientated? Right. Well, you know, for me, I, I typically ground myself with gratitude. And uh, the second I, I wake up and my feet hit the floor, it's the first thought on my mind. Uh, and about starting the new day and, and just kind of getting myself in, in gear and getting my bearings. But, you know, there's a lot of science here. Uh, around law of attraction, that's certainly something that uh, that that's addressed at at some point and relates to a lot of what we just talked about. Uh, that that roots you in the moment, that helps you, uh, you know, reminds you of what's what's important and what's important to you. And some of what you just described, you know, could also be uh, an effect of mood health. We we could beat the crud out of ourselves. I almost said a bad word, and we don't realize it. You know, like all of a sudden, you know, half hour goes by and you realize your subconscious, the things that you've been saying to yourself, you're, you're not even fully aware. Right. And next thing you know, you feel like, like crap and it's already over. So how do you counter that? You have to make a conscious effort to, to, to do that as well. Um, but really rooting in gratitude and, and, and life enrichment, um, it, it, that's really at the heart of it and, and stopping life now. And look, I mean, take five minutes, five minutes and spend one minute doing five different things on which you focus on singularly. That's a hard word to say. So that might be spend one whole minute with your pet. Do nothing else. Just focus on your pet. Spend another minute. See how long those five minutes feel all of a sudden and what it, what it's like to to experience gratitude to put yourself in a position what things bring you joy we all know those things do more of that right i mean those are just coping skills right but that's that's really what we're talking about and if you elevate this to the you know those who are listening who who subscribe to the law of attraction and there is a fair amount to it but for me it, it, in summation it, it comes down to what you expect tends to happen. That's, that's basically the, the summation. And so let's say you put that back into uh, being a worrier around earned confidence and not staying present and letting yourself worry, right? Because we're not born worriers. Right? It's a learned trait. We have to unlearn it. But if that's true, 
and, and you're, if you, if you believe in, in the law of attraction or, or just in general, and you are a worrier, you are contradicting yourself because worrying is an expectation that you're setting about things that you do not want to happen. So if the law of attraction is exists, then you're literally worrying could be the cause of things you don't want to happen. It's a little heady, but it's, it could be just physics. So, you know, these are some of the things that we need to unlearn. And so when, when you're, when you're talking about beating yourself up, when you're talking about worrying uh, and that negativity and you catch yourself, you catch yourself after you beat yourself up, you catch yourself realizing that something you worried about never happened. That's when you need to just stop and look back and say, what did I do to myself unnecessarily by worrying about something that never occurred? What did I do to anyone else in terms of expressing that worry and leaning on them and uh, transferring that negativity because energy is, of course, transferable. That's very, that's very well known. So we all have a personal responsibility also about how our negativity affects others, let alone ourselves. I mean, if you just start by just being kind to yourself, just be kind to yourself. Start there. Why be anything other than that? The, the, you know, the rest builds up. And if, and if you have a hard time answering that question, dig deeper on answering that question as to why that is. We're in a heavy conversation here, James. So from, from that basis then, Tim, in terms of the, what I hear you say from earned confidence is obviously that, that it all stems from gratitude and building from that to obviously maximize your confidence. And it's something I, I've mentioned numerous times on the show before. You can't lack confidence. You can lose confidence. And then ultimately you can regain that. But to say that you lack a specific skill is never true because ultimately that's a choice. You're only going to lack it if you don't do the work. And I think when people say they are low or have a lacking in a certain skill set, be it confidence, esteem, uh, self-worth, it's not true. It's that's the only story that you're telling yourself. And I think ultimately you're doing yourself a disservice because it's just at that moment in time, it's lower than you either predict it to be, or it is not being worked on. It's never, it's never, never not going to be there. Ultimately uh, it's just something that, like you said, with worry, You've learned. You've learned. It's a learned behavior, and I think we we touch. If we touch upon the anxiety factor, that's hereditary. So it's it's you can look at it both positively and negatively. Obviously, if we touch upon the negatively on this instance, you could go play the blame game. It's it's because of my parents or my grandparents, uh, and go back. But they probably had more resilience as well. It's like be if we use my family just for argument's sake. My grandparents fought in World War Two. Okay, on the home front, my grandmother did, and my grandfather overseas. Hmm. That's a that's that's a calling. They came to arms when the country calls. We're going to war. Uh, so from that basis, and the, I mentioned the the, the um, chap I spoke to this morning, Dewey De- 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 Jones, 
he's ex ex military himself. For him, he's comfortable in this state of mind or this state of affairs because he was in isolation on multiple tours in Afghanistan. That's isolation. That's life or death. Okay, you have not don't have to deal with self isolation in terms of you still got your peers around you, but this is not a life or death situation if you do as what's been asked of you and you stay indoors, sure as much as possible. Uh, okay, it's an inconvenience for most and some, and I think some. I say probably the majority have started to become accept, accept, accepting of okay, this is the new norm, and just kind of I, I, I only I only go out for the essen- the essentials, be it food, medication, exercise. Did you say beer first? No food. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, for some, I thought you said beer first. I'm for just some people, for some people, that might Priorities. be al- it. Might be alcohol because of that would come down to mood in most cases or their state of yeah. affairs mentally because it's either a coping mechanism or it's a distraction or sure. I want to feel numb because then I can't feel anything um, and that ultimately is a coping mechanism. It's like well. If you thought deeply towards that, is that a good or bad one? Mostly I would say bad because you might go talking of that thermometer again too far to the extreme and to consume it to excess. Whereas uh, if you look to find the endorphin hit or a dopamine effect from somewhere else, right? that's a little bit more positive. Obviously exercise is a catch 22 because if you overdid it uh you could get injured or um obviously uh, have repercussions from that but obviously on the positive side of it if, as long as you don't overdo it you should be okay in in this in this perspective and and do it from that and and, and look to maximize this growth in this 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 time okay i've gone probably 180 degrees one direction to I'm probably coming out the other side. It's probably it's more difficult coming out the other side than coming into it because it's it's a gradual thing and you're not I think consciously aware of what you're doing because you talk about subconsciously bad mouthing yourself. That's right. subtle because you don't pick up on it. Uh I think you you see when other people do it because you kind of say, well, why are you speaking to yourself in that way? But you're not inclined to do it when you do it. Or you, or you're not dependent on your awareness or your alertness to it, and the degree of the complexity of it, and being on that scale, the lower you go down it, the less you are aware of what you're doing to yourself. Right. Well, I mean, certainly an indication of depression or low self-esteem or or both when you're doing that to yourself. But uh, again. Part of it is that. Part of it is how we uh, allow others to affect us. Um, you know, how much do you really care what other people think in terms of, uh, you know, how that makes you feel? I mean, what, you know, how freeing would it be not to care what other people think? Well, it's, that's a difficult one. And you mentioned that with your daughter before we start recording. We live in an age where you get a buzz from it just by you know, retweets, likes, shares, 
But yeah, we're talking about cyberbullying on this point. But that's I a think, tough. That's tough. I mean, with the teenagers and. But I think if they were able to detach themselves from it, and I can't remember why I was listening to this. This is something that Facebook and the modern social medias have implemented. So we had a tendency to go back time and time again. Whereas uh, if you think of the early days of, for me, would be like MySpace. These things didn't have it. So you could go go months without using the platform. Whereas Facebook and, 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 and the like look to put things in, well, Let's put likes, shares, right, and things like that. And people, especially now, you know, will get fixated, fixated on. Well, let's refresh to see what it looks like now. And this is where I've got to catch myself sometimes as a coach when it's content to not get frustrated or angst about it because it doesn't do very well. I'm not analytically looking at it from a sporting perspective as to, okay, I'm dwelling on the negative side of it because it's not had very much popularity. But why is the ins and outs of what, what's good about it and what can be improved? Or what am I missing that is not hitting a chord with the wider audience or the demographic that I want to target? And I think, okay, that's going a little bit deep for them for most listening but it's having that disconnect as to it doesn't that you don't need to get your self-love your self-worth right from anybody else ultimately you need to go inside and that's tough and find well who and, and i had somebody ask me a great question um just yesterday who who, who are you wanting to to live up to in terms of from a mm. question, and I've still not answered it. It's That's a like good one. myself. Well, I, I think, I think, well, that one I had, I'd probably have to go deeper because then, then, then I'm, everybody is their harshest critic. You've got to maybe evaluate that a little bit deeper. It's like, well, who, mm. who am I trying to impress? Well, let's put it, let's put it another way in a, in a positive framework. And one of the things that's absolutely a, a major motivator for me um, in, in, feeling the need at this point after many years to, to do the book is I asked myself, what would I regret not doing? Right. So can reframe it in a positive, but this has been a thorn in my side for some time. I don't know that I would have done it or would have been ready to do it when I was any younger. And I had some space and some freedom now, which, you know, a lot of people right now who've ever been wanting to write books, not a bad time to consider putting your head down and giving that a go. Uh, but uh, it's important. And, and just to be here with you and have the opportunity to make a positive impact and hopefully people listening and some of the real serious topics we've covered here, um, but in the right way. And uh, that you come away from this program knowing, you know, I, I'm not really sure who's hearing this, but if whoever you are, that, uh, you know, the hope is you're coming away with as much value as possible. And, and, that's my why. That's my purpose. And that's why you're doing what you're doing too, James. So it's, it's a reward. It's remembering to, to, to give in this moment and, uh, and time, because I think the, the, the two, it was actually, it was a Harvard study and I need to go and try and find it. 
because uh, I found that quite interesting to uh, in terms of the science behind having positivity in terms of one is gratitude and the other is serving a, other people. Okay, the second one is a little bit more difficult in this time, but you can see it all over social media. So if somebody's crying out for help, right? By their post, by what they're posting. Is it difficult? Is it? I mean, it's just a matter of choice. You know, reach out to your friends. Somebody who is in, you know, at home alone. You made that point earlier. I'm sure they welcome a phone call or a video call or, you know, however you might reach out. And and that'll make you feel good to connect. We all have that choice right now to do that today. So who, and again, we talk about energy and, 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 both our responsibility personally to ourselves and to others, something around the, the notion of having a tribe and that, you know, I, I do not know the source of this. Maybe you've heard, but that we at any given point are the combined sum of the five people that we associate with most, whether that's our family members or our friends or what have you. And so in the same way, almost like that perception snapshot, go through your relationships and ask yourself who those five people are. And, you know, life is, you're there for each other, but by and large, is that person feeding you or draining you? Are they, are they a true friend and a good friend or uh, even at, you know, on the family level or somebody who you might need to insulate yourself from just a little bit more, not to say, you know, not be a friend with them or what, what have you, but maybe now there's an opportunity for someone who's in your life that when you talk to them does bring you joy, does lift you up. Well, you, you know, we have a choice. They could be waiting for your call just the same as you have been uh, procrastinating about making it and reach out and, and, and enrich a relationship and bring them into your circle. And that can only lead to good places. Well, I think it's, remember, it's remembering and, and you raise a good point, Matt, in terms of, you know, the sum of the, the, the parts no greater time now to to be able to ex if if it's if it's not in a good place, you can reach out and actually connect with people that are maybe you want to either emulate, aspire to be to. I'm not going anywhere, so I think. Um, and I jokingly said it to this this yesterday when I was talking to the to, to the hospital from for my prosthetic limb. It's like. Because they couldn't get the computer to work quick enough, it's like pff, I'm going anywhere. I got I'm, there's no there's no time constraint on how long if it doesn't load as quickly as it normally does. That's fine with me. It's an extra five minutes. Got nothing else. To, got nothing else to do for the, for that moment in time. It's 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 a priority right now. Everything else can wait. And I think, be it from the positive positivity perspective, if you are your some of your five parts. Is not serving you at this moment. Why not reach out to people that you 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 would like to know more about, or or or, or things like that. I think podcasting is a great great uh, vehicle. I think and 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 the platforms themselves are kind of showcasing. I think Facebook did something similarly uh, a while back in terms of how easy it is to do just a podcast. That, that that creates new connections. You and I have never spoken before today, right. but other than than messaging backwards and forwards, it creates connections. It, it it gets to you to a point where, by the end of the conversation, 
you know if it's whether or not it's worthwhile keeping going and, and be I spoke to uh, somebody I had on the podcast I would say approximately a year ago and I reached out to him. he he sorry I should say it the other way around he messaged me the other day to see how I was getting on and I obviously said at that period of time it was kind of up and down and he was quite surprised in terms of me saying that he thought obviously from the outward perspective population he thought yeah there's going to be like a herd mentality of people kind of be all over the whereas for me and and the the life lessons i have learned and i put that in a positive way because i could have said it a different way has served me in terms of and i need to remember that in terms of i've faced a lot of difficulties in my life and technically if i look at it from a gratitude perspective having a disability i have to face it on a daily basis in terms of am i able to walk with my limb yes or no and i think amputees uh, listening to that can relate to that it's it's i think because of the nature of having mine all my life i forget that sometimes it's like i've got to put it on it's a part of me and it's not a part of me but that's something to be grateful for and i think um so it's something my dad likes to tell me um periodically it's having that gratitude that you talked about earlier uh, earlier on of getting up in the morning but he puts it the other way at the uh, you got to be grateful for going to bed at night it's you right you obviously it's a little bit safer right now if we think of it it was and i can't remember who show it was you were more at risk before the lockdown because we were in planes, trains, automobiles, and the chance of having an accident were possibly greater than right. This, if we do everything to the letter of the law, okay. You talk about law of attraction, so I won't bring it up and not attract that towards me. As long as I do everything in my power to control the controllables and kind of put the uncontrollables to one side. And it was one post I quite liked on YouTube this morning uh, about it. And I didn't even think about this one. Uh, social, when people don't observe the social distancing, well, that's not, that's not, that's not, that's an uncontrollable I'm thinking. He's got a point. I didn't think of that because you get, you get frustrated or, um, angst. It's like, oh, I've got too close, depending on whatever the, the measures are in your country because they're going to, to change. Because I think it's, it's six feet in the US, two meters here, 1.5 meters in other countries. So they right. well. But why is it different measures if it's, if it's, what, shouldn't it be standardized? It's this distance, we think it is, and you do it across the board and then go from there. But I think coming back to my point, if you fixate on it too much, the uncontrollables, you lose sight of obviously the things that you can control, be it uh, the amount of exercise you get, the nutrition that you're eating, um, being kind to yourself, the content that you're consuming, the sleep that you're able to, 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 to get. Because obviously a, a routine from a sleeping pattern is probably 
I won't say impossible. Obviously, it's a case by case. Some people are still in their new normal routine of sleeping eight, nine hours a night. People like myself, it's a little bit more all over the place. But what somebody said from a medical profession to me, as long as you're getting it, a seven, for my age group, a seven and a half hour sleep in a 24-hour period, don't worry about it. You're fine. It's this notion of eight hours is a myth. And, and, and I have did it. And that's what actually for like importance of sleep. If you haven't listened to it, I do, I do say probably go listen to it. And that's the most, my most popular episode to date. So it's, so in terms of, and that's dispelling myths. It's not just the, the, the aspect of importance of sleeping, but it's dispelling, well, not hundreds of, like multiple myths that people have, be it uh, in terms of like circadian rhythm, how much you need to sleep at one time. And I'm not going to give it away because there'd be no point listening to it, the episode, um, to, you know, the myth that you need to change your, your, your mattress every five years. And I, and I won't give anything. That's away. definitely a myth. That's the mattress industry. I'm sure of it. So from that basis, it, it all comes down to perception. It's like, depending on what you are consuming. And I think most people that I've spoken to don't watch the news because it's, it's very, um, well, it's divisive at the best of times anyway, but in terms of it's very hysterical and, What's the word I want to use? Negativity. I mean, I'm on a news diet right now, quite honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm a, my background is journalism and I'm you know, very much into keeping tabs on things. But what's really changing on a day-to-day basis right now? Do I want to go and look at the statistics changing? My circumstances really not changing. Uh, you know, is that what I want to expose myself to? I, mean, I, I check in, but I'm not going to sit there hour after hour and, and, you know, watch uh, expert after expert talk pretty much about the same thing day in and day out. You know, that's just not a good use of time. Um, you know, to your point earlier, James, about staying in touch and making connections. I mean, you know, before the show, we were talking about you being half American mm-hmm. and you're not really sure which half American you are. And so staying in touch with me is just going to ground you in your Americana. And I'm here for you. I just want to let you know. Well, it's, it, that, Stay that, fast that, friends. It's 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 that one from the American point of view. It's I think people have this perception of okay from from social media. Be it, it's very heavily, I won't say British oriented, but be my place of where I live and things like that. So I think people assume, but and then they get they get dumbfounded where I say, you know, time what time what what time zone are you in? And I'll spell it out. It's like. I think they kind of think, well, how does he know that already? It's like, well, I've got to think about time zones just speaking to family and, and things like, well, what time of the what time of the day is it for them relative to where, where I am now? So I don't either wake them up in the middle of the night or um, and, and things like that. Obviously, it's for, at the moment, it's, it's a little bit easier because people are staying up later uh, and, and things like that. I'd be happy to talk to you just 2 a.m., what do you do? Well, I think it's well. How's I think it, I think at the how, early stages, and I'm I'm quite from from that basis. Even with my family, it was just they're happy I checked in because they know that I'm all right. Because I've obviously picked up the picked up 
well, it wasn't the phone, but I, I did it over Facebook, but people get what I'm talking about. It was, you were checking in and you get that gratitude just to know that your family is all right. And then you can kind of, right. okay, everybody's okay today. And as long as they check in, it's the best right. I can do. It's, it's like, I can't, I can't do anything about the state of affairs with what's happening in the U S I just can't, I can't, I can't. Right. It's depend. like what you can control. You just talked about it. Yeah. So you know, and they so, can always go back to sleep too, James. I mean, come on. You just made that good point. They should be happy to hear from you. And if you wake them up, they'll have good dreams because they heard from you. Mm. You did them a favor. I'm just saying, think the best of it. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a wry sense of humor at times. But coming back to obviously what we talked about, and I don't know if we I we answered the question in terms of gaining that earned confidence. Right. How do you go about, and depending on the level of complexity of where you're at right now, how do you kind of do it from a strategic point of view? I find earned confidence to be very straightforward, almost like a logic formula. Uh, in that it's, it's true, flat out. Here we are. We've made it through everything. Whatever that is, is the current circumstance the very worst thing that we've ever had to deal with in our lives right now? Is that now? Probably not for most people. I won't say, I won't hope one way or the other. That wouldn't come off right. But the fact is, is that, if that whether it's now or not, you've always made it through everything. So just deal with the real. I mean, we have enough going on in the moment and then how you cope with it. And you talked about grief and grief's important. It shouldn't be ignored. You have to express that. You have to feel it. Uh, but the same thing goes with, with just regret. You know, you're the only one who can forgive yourself. No one else can do it for you. If you have regrets, you're also not adhering to having earned confidence. You're just holding yourself back with that baggage. And you're distracting yourself with worry or anxiety. And you're right. Anxiety can be, uh, much like depression, a, a chemical uh, situation. It could be personality. People just people naturally anxious. Same thing as, uh, as I mentioned, you know, you're not born as a worrier. Uh, you just have to work on it. Just, just like, like building a skill. Uh, same as anything. Same as, uh, you know, getting yourself to, to work out. So I think it's hard for anyone to, to deny and refute the fact that they've already made it through everything and they should understand they're going to make it through everything else if for no other reason, because they have to. So what are you worried about? Like, I'm not sure how that logic can be, can be denied. Well, I think, I think people and myself included, you forget the mind's a muscle and you do, you need to do the reps. You do the wrong ones. You get you put yourself in a bad position. You do you do the stuff that is elements of kindness, self love, supporting others. It's uplifting. It's 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 it gives you however you want to say it, uh, levels you up, uh, upskilling, you name it. In terms of right. like positivity, it, it kind of gives you that massive sense of excitement. To, to want to, well, I like this. I want another hit to this tomorrow. But obviously on the other side of it is the same. You get that um, 
negative effect of I I I want to keep reading, be it be it online bullying, um, trolling. We're always going to have that. We're always going to have everything. You know, just how much do you internalize it? How much do you let it roll off your shoulders? How much do you recognize that at any given time you can see the very exact same as circumstances in completely opposite ways? Pessimism, op- optimism. So on that point, whether it's the perception snapshot that we talked about earlier, as people come away from our conversation here, uh, one of my hopes is that they're going to just take a step back and be objective and, and consider what is the most optimistic vantage point that I can take. I might not feel it. I might feel differently than the answer to that question. But it's uh, it's almost like smiling, right? You don't feel like smiling, but if you force yourself to smile, I mean, you know, there's a science here, right? You're, suddenly, you feel better. Suddenly, smiling comes more naturally. This is no different. You have to you have to identify and and see that fixed point of optimism and continue to reach for it and stay present. Well, it's just something that I found a tendency to yesterday when I went for my walk. And there was more and more kids out with their parents, and it's just having that optimistic approach to well, let me wave at the kid. Obviously, the child didn't acknowledge it, but it kind of gives you a boost. It's like, well, I've done it, and the parents obviously was positive in terms of well, how are you doing today? And I think people are getting dependent on the circumstances and the individual, right? Are being a little bit more optimistic and kind of whereas. When I went out in the early days of this, I had one person speak to me when I was on a walk. It's, I was thinking the same thing. It's, it's a little bit of a humor to me. Uh, not incredibly humorous, but the, the way we are when we walk on the street and, you know, if you give anyone a side glance, let alone a, yo, or hey, you know, it's, you know that's a big deal. Now it's like, oh my God, hey, hello, you know, waving from 10 feet away. You're just so happy to see another human being, you know, know, out into the world. Um, And that's just, that's just part of the experience. But I, I I find it, uh, I find it a little humorous. I'm no no different. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I think, I think because we're in the same, all in the same boat now and and people are kind of being uh, compassionate and caring. It's like, right. You said, Oh, I get to see an individual today. Be it, uh, I had somebody wave from the back of their staircase at the back of their house, and and I guess he was on complete lockdown when it comes to the UK, where where some some uh, proportions of the population have been ma- oh, I'm saying mandated have been told and on some terms you're high risk, so you shouldn't leave the sure. house for three months, and what that must do to you mentally. Right, I, I don't. I I know some of my mother's friends uh, are by themselves and isolate, and they're struggling with loneliness uh, and, and things like that and and, and 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 the like. I mean, there's no way around that at times. You know, you can't just wish it away. The situation is what it is. But I'm really glad that we covered it quite a bit, and the need for people to create some structure and reach out and don't self isolate. Look at some opportunities to reach out to friends and things like that. I, just, I want to revisit that for the moment while, while you know, while we're on it because that is the, that's the formula. What's, what's remembering to, that? Yes, you can be in isolation, but isolation from a connection standpoint, networking, 
and social one is even more detrimental to, to your overall well-being because ultimately if you do that who's who's the only person you want to talk to your mind and that's somewhere you don't want to be going at the best of times because you're going to second guess yourself even if you're in a positive state of mind let alone you only got a, you you only got four walls to look at, and, and and you talked about bipolar and schizophrenia. That's where things start to get. You might start imagine so that so I implore you, even I, to up until the probably the back end of last week, I was doing it, but I was doing it the, the ordinary way I, I've been doing it previously was like writing stuff. Well, that's not communication. We might describe that as communication uh, for the younger generation. It's not. This is as close as we're going to get to you and I being able to be, I don't know what the distance is between my face and the screen and vice versa. It's probably sitting across the table in, in normal circumstances. This is as close as you can get and still have a, be able to pick on the cues that you would do normally. And you get an uplifting effect from a positive perspective, because you're able to speak to somebody face to face. So I think if you haven't done it already, I implore you to do it. Uh, if you're doing it already, reach out to maybe somebody that isn't and then go from there and then, um, look to reestablish, like you said, early, early days of the show, reestablish those connections that you might've lost. Right. I mean, you're many, many kilometers away at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to chat with you and get to know you and, and hopefully stay in touch with you. So my last question, Matt, then on that note, before we wrap up the episode, if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? There's going to be a moment of silence here. You realize that's a, that's a bold question. Um, I, I think it, you know, given that we focus so much on the times, uh, I I come back to the thought of of why be anything other or less than kind to yourself. Treat yourself right. It, it starts there, and and part of that has a lot to do with everything else that we talked about, and and reaching out and not isolating and structuring. And see now I'm and now I'm expounding on the on the answer to the question, but just be kind to yourself. Right. That's where. That's where, you know, that and earned confidence go hand in hand. So once again, Matt, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Thank you. It's been great. All the pleasure's been all mine. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Matt and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging me over on Instagram at jamesoroberts11. And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. And in addition, if you had any additional questions, don't hesitate to shoot them over as well. And finally, don't forget to check out his book, Zisms, as well as checking Matt out on LinkedIn. And as always, don't forget to check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk and click on the tab resources. But not forgetting, I've also started a new Facebook group especially for the podcast, which you can find by typing in The Mindset Athlete. And last but not least, and one especially for the amputees listening to this show, I've recently created a Facebook group called The Amputee Coach, fitness and nutrition for amputees to help you lose 
10 plus pounds. So make sure to check those links out. They will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category general. So once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast.